podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing the Derby County Podcast. Uh, games are running out and the closing of that survival gap has slowed down. But there are hopes that news in the coming week might finally move the Rams on from their five months of administration purgatory. So just another standard fortnight for Derby County, really, isn't it? Um, Tom's here. You all right, mate? All well, thank you, Chris. And uh, buzzing from his first ever trip to Kenilworth Road. It's Richard Gutcher, hello. Yeah, came back from a few houses, a few pints in people's gardens by accident, I think. That's how it works at Kenilworth Road. So, and, how, uh, and how's your trip to Luton? Uh, yeah, it was obviously not the result we wanted, but a great day up in Javi Rams and met Hackney Rams for the first time as well. And uh, yeah, I didn't think it was a terrible performance. I thought the atmosphere was great, as it always has been uh, this season in the away end. And uh, we fight another week, another few months to go. We do, and another week, Another debut on the pod. We're delighted to have with us uh, Jimmy McLaughlin. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me along. How uh, is there a particular Derby County debutant that you you look into uh, whose whose game you're looking to mirror on well, your debut here? Ravenelli's was pretty spectacular, wasn't it? Yeah. Going back, didn't end well though. What's the podcast equivalent of curling in a left-footed second half free kick, <laughs> kind of making people laugh? <laughs> I did want to make some sort of cheesy "you're mute"-based gag uh, to bring you in with this, but it doesn't really work when we're face to face, does it? To, to follow our Twitter town hall sessions. Yeah. How bored did you get of saying that? <laughs> pretty, pretty bored of it. And then I would make the mistake myself, which would be infuriating as well. Yeah, it's it's easily done. I mean, I I still leave myself on mute on work meetings every so often, and it's been two years. Like. <laughs> Should be a sackable offence for you, shouldn't it? Don't know how I do it. But uh, don't forget the Steve Bloomer's Washing is partnered for the season with our good friends at Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. So do check them out. But lads, this is how I'm doing it in this episode. I've decided that we're in the business end now. So there's no messing around. I'm going to start each pod with a definitive question for you all. Let's just not beat around the bush. Last episode, it was how many points do we need to survive today it's simple i'll start with you coach for no particular reason will we stay up yes or no yes big go on there's still time and the players still believe the players still have hope i think if you were the derby county fans yesterday you can see that derby county fans at the matches still have hope i know barnsley won yesterday but other results did go away the gap is still surmountable and while the gap is still surmountable i'll, I'll believe we can do it because i've been guilty of writing this team off far too many times in the last 18 months and writing wayne rooney off too many times in the last few months so i'm gonna go back on that and say yes we can and will still do it my uh, i put this out on twitter last night and uh, i'll be honest the outlook wasn't very positive shockingly um will derby stay up this season yes 25 percent no 75 percent from more than a thousand votes 
Jimmy, where's your head at after the Luton defeat? I'm afraid it's a no for me, and it has been for quite a while. I just think it will be the second points deduction. That has long been my theory on this, is that we will overcome the 15 points, but the secondary one will just prove to be too many. But having said that, when we got the points deductions, if you told me we'd be sitting here at the end of February and in with a shot and even discussing it, I'd have been over the moon. So I think there's a lot of positives to be had. Jimmy, you're making a really strong start on your debut there. I really agree with you. <laughs> We're going down. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do, I, I agree with you though. You've got to think with your head and I think realistically Derby um, are destined to, to relegation. However, there is still hope and whilst that is there, the, the heart and the fight and the passion will still be there from the players, the management and the, the, the fans there. And I think um, we've got to keep fighting for as long as we possibly can and keep making the season interesting and you never know what could happen. And I've said to you and Kutch, Chris and Kutch, sorry, that if we We've still got a chance with the last two games away at Blackpool uh, and at home to Cardiff on the last two games and we need to win both of those we can do that but we need to cut the gap in the next couple of months for what it's worth I'm I'm a no I'm afraid um, I don't know I'm, I'm very wary of the fact that about this time last season I was convinced we were going down after a few bad results um, but the circumstances then were, were so different because we we won like what one in our last 15 and scraped by on the final day whereas now the, the situation has been flipped a bit like we are putting in the performances um but i don't know i feel the gap is maybe just a bit too big if it gets any bigger it's definitely too big i think um but look still got barnsley um still still got cardiff twice is it so the games are there but i just feel that it's just not quite enough time and and fortune left on our side i do think one of the things though that 12 games out remaining is it is unlikely that it will be the bottom three that go down there will be more twists and turns to come and i'm i'm confident of that and i think we can do it but like you i just think it's incredibly unlikely yeah i agree with that i mean i think you're right but it might not be that that current bottom three and what we've seen particularly barnes and reading they've they've so they've kind of turned a corner I know Reading lost yesterday against Blackpool, but they started picking up a few results, and that was it. Was never going to continue that all three of those bottom, those other teams around us were going to keep losing every single game. But my hope is that the the Paul Lintz manager bounce has been short lived. I think it was really key. They had a couple of very winnable games coming up, including Blackpool, although Blackpool are a good team, and they didn't win again. And I think they were really in danger of completely running away from us. Look, they, they could win in, in, in the week again, but I, I just think there's still a chance that we will get more enough more wins than the teams around us between now and the end of the season. Um, Tom Lawrence has got a lot to make up for when he comes back. Um, and he would, yeah, in theory, should be fresh and he can make a big difference. But we have got a very tough march. Uh, so we're going to need to pick up some unexpected results like against Blackburn, like against maybe, yeah, like against Fulham. Football works in a very, very sort of strange way. And sometimes the games you expect to win, you don't and vice versa. And if you look at the results we've had this season, uh, drawing away at Fulham, uh, beating Bournemouth, they've shown that the quality in this team is there. Uh, the issue, of course, is, is that we've had the same 13 or 14 players who've basically been the core of this team right the way from the start of the season and there is some some legginess in there and there is some sort of frustration and difficulties with um, with the sort of freshness and the fitness of the players and you can see that from the fact that you'd never think that Jason Knight would be withdrawn uh, from games but recently he's been coming off in the 75th 80th 83rd minute kind of thing and um, he's obviously tired and he runs he runs and he runs and he runs and he can't keep doing it all the time Coach let's talk about Luton then um, as we said you're, you're 
debut at Kenilworth Road. Um, how long did you spend at the top of those stairs, just looking into some gardens, chilling out for a bit before you went into your way end? Uh, I did. I didn't do much on the way in. Actually, it was actually half time. I went downstairs to the bar, had a pint, uh, bumped into Blake, bumped uh, with the Punjabi Rams as well, and I came out. I was like, I need to go to the toilet actually before the second half kicks off. And I came out went top of those stairs, looking over all those gardens where those toilets are, and I looked down at the carnage. Like there's these little uh, serene, not particularly well kept gardens either side of the of the concourse and in the middle just complete carnage of 15 year old derby fans going nutty and i was like i'll just hold it in for a little bit <laughs> so i didn't bother going down there uh, but i did uh, did have a nice look into some gardens i mean presumably people make themselves scarce on match days if you live because i mean i'm sure derby fans aren't the only ones to be doing it but people you know fans are banging on the walls of these houses singing derby songs i mean presumably you make yourself scarce on on match day I'd have, I'd have thought so yeah it was an evening game and we went a couple of years ago wasn't it Tom and I don't remember seeing that many people around I don't think the lights were on in a, quite a few of those houses I, I can't imagine them being the most desirable places to um, to, to rent or to, to purchase and yeah it's, it's quite a surreal thing walking through basically a, a garage almost into the into the turnstile and as you say the toilets are uh, essentially the the ground floor of the ha- house I presume there must be flats above them but yeah very very bizarre very unique and a, a, quite a nice experience actually as a, as a football fan to go into there yeah Jimmy, do you think the die was set with this one a bit with CKR's early miss? It's an absolute setter, wasn't it? I think so. I think it's similar to the Forest game a little bit in that sense when um, Tom Lawrence had the chance. Like we've got to be, got to be taking those early on to kind of set the narrative, particularly when we just don't have many attacking players at the moment, right? Like you, when the team was announced yesterday, you're almost trying to work out like who's going to be actually playing at the back. There's that many defenders being named, so it's um, it's quite tough. I think it's uh, I think it's a great chance. Um, the ball's pulled back. I, I'm not quite sure sure from who. Um, Jason then, Knight. Yeah, he did, does really well down the right hand side, and he he brings the keeper out. And then what happens is he pulls it back to CKR, and he just sort of leans back and he he blazes it over. What you want is him body over the top of the ball, hammering that ball towards the goal. It might take a deflection, it might be blocked, but he's got to hit the target from there. And that really sets the, sets the tone. We don't have a shot on target until about the seven, 70th minute just before I think they score. And it's it wasn't really good enough at the end of the day going forward. I think in terms of the game itself, I thought no one, if Derby had got that goal or, or, or Max Bird's effort from outside the box, which was a great effort, well well saved and tipped onto the bar by the goalkeeper. If Derby take, a, take that 1-0 lead, and go on to win the game. I don't think anyone has any complaints. There was absolutely nothing in the match between the, the two teams. It wasn't particularly great from either team. There wasn't any great kind of attacking play. One of the best moves was the the Knight setting up CKR in, very early on in the game. It was Nathan Byrne and Jason Knight combining really well down the right-hand side, in which we saw that so much in the um, in the Peterborough game whenever Sede went over to the left and Knight came more out further wide on the right. And in that game, I was in this, the, the southwest upper and, and Knight and Byrne were just completely ripping up uh, the Peterborough's left-hand side and when we started that way against uh, against Luton I thought okay here we go we're going to really have some joy down that side and it didn't really materialise again throughout the rest of the match Luton didn't look that particularly threatening we'll come on to Cashin Cashin was absolutely fantastic once again I know Luton was a tough place to go and they're picking up points and I think they might even be into the top six this morning but that it was three points missed out on because they, they were there to be beaten and you just think if you had maybe Tom Lawrence or even like a Drusvac in the team just that little bit of extra quality or pace might just have been the difference on a, on a day like that I mean, we were getting we were getting in behind a little bit Tom weren't we like we were creating space obviously had the CKR miss but even then like CKR was winning flick-ons getting little um, you know getting getting 
the ball around the corner to getting a couple of players in behind. So it wasn't, we, we pushed on a little bit after that early miss and there were spaces and gaps appearing. But as you say, just a classic example really of, of not taking your chances and getting punished. I think in, think having the territory and decent possession 20, 30 yards from, from goal is a is the Derby County way this season because we can we can do that and we get to that sort of position. And then when it comes to actually a bit of quality uh, providing the cross, it rarely happens. And when it does, we, we score goals. Like look at the, the Millwall goal even, it's a good ball into the box from CKR. My question would be there, why is he out there? Why isn't he in the box? But um, Nathan Byrne putting the ball in for Curtis Davis against Reading. Like when the quality comes, we are dangerous. But until that quality comes, it comes in two small spurts. Um, we can have the ball, and teams know that they can hold us at arm's length quite comfortably. And I think Luton were, were relatively comfortable in holding us uh, from having good chances against them. Yeah, an annoyingly simple goal in the end. Jimmy was the one that actually settled it. Just a pretty sort of regulation long ball upfield Cameron Jerome runs onto it gets the knockdown and I think watching it again after that it seemed like Davis and Cashin both just got dragged across a bit by, by a, a simple sort of drop of the shoulder from from Hilton the, the uh, Luton striker and then didn't, didn't really have to hammer it into the bottom corner but yeah it seemed like the sort of goal that maybe could have been prevented really just so simple I just think that is part of the problem with the amount of uh, youngsters that are playing right like it's a bit of that kind of streetwise play from Cameron Jerome who we know so well um, and it, it, it's not even yeah it's it's almost not even mistakes right it's, it's just that kind of like streetwise nature of it and I was kind of thinking back to sort of the Alan Hansen comments of you know you won't win anything with with kids and the the point that he actually goes on to make about that is that you can't win it just with kids and it does feel like at the moment it is just being stretched so much in, into the academy which we know quality players and so on but it's it's a lot when you look at that team sheet at the moment I mean it is funny when Cameron Drone came on I, I was kind of like uh oh here we go because it was, it was another they already had quite a big imposing front line and we really struggled even Curtis Davis struggled in the first half particularly with with some long balls over and, and misjudged some and, and lost some battles you'd normally expect him to win and I just thought when, when Drone came on I was like that's another player that's going to cause issues and he, and he went and parked himself on Buchanan and Buchanan as you say I don't think it was necessarily a mistake he just got Jerome just bigger and stronger and more experienced and he was always going to win that that kind of 50-50 and, and yeah when you've got that many centre-backs on the pitch you'd like to think one of them might have got a bit closer to stop the goal but generally Cashin and Davis had good games I thought Davis wasn't maybe quite as imposing as he, as he has been previously Buchanan's not bad in the air as well so but we know what Jerome can do and to be honest I, I thought he was pretty done when he left us a few years back and the fact he's still uh, a championship forward and, and creating havoc against teams fair play to him and he's obviously had a great career um, I think in terms of Hilton I think he tucks that ball really nicely it's, it doesn't have to be powerful it's got to be accurate and he's given the space and Derby defence is maybe a little bit too deep and needs to be a bit closer but I think there is a runner beyond him so if you close the space then he slips in the runner and, and the runner scores and that's, that's the challenge that we've got and as you say just a, that lack, lack of streetwise and a bit of now and it's a it's not just a physical game it's a mental game and I think the mentality um, is good and solid but just the experience is lacking so we, we don't react to, in the right way to those situations Looking at the bigger picture we talked a bit at the start about just whether we think we'll stay up or not but you'd probably have to say surely we can't allow the gap to get any bigger if if it's going to remain on I mean the, th the thing is I was thinking about this that we made the gap smaller and smaller and smaller, chipped it down from 20 to, to 16 to 12 to 10 to 8 to 5. And we knew 
at some point it was going to go back up again. It was never going to carry on like that forever, but it just has felt like such a hammer blow, the the, the little mini runs that Barnsley and Reading have, have gone on. But Jim, would you agree with that? That if we're going to have any chance, it can't get much bigger than eight, surely? I think so, right? I think just psychologically, when you know that you need to win three to kind of at least stand a, a chance in a row of getting there, you know, that, that becomes big. So I, I agree. I think the next few games are are really important. Hopefully with Lawrence to come back and so on, that could be a, a big difference. But I, I agree, it, it, much bigger and it, it, it becomes quite difficult to make the mathematics stand up on it I don't think Cardiff is a must win game this this in the midweek however if we don't win at Cardiff it makes Barnsley a must win game because if we lose to Barnsley the gap between us and them is then going to be at least four points and that then makes it like that extra jump that we've got to make because we haven't just got to catch Reading we've also got to catch Barnsley and make sure we overtake them and Barnsley are then ahead of us so don't think it's it's all doom and gloom just yet there's still the time there's still the games to go but we've got to start being tight at the back again and we've got to start um, scoring the goals and taking those chances that we get because when it's a game tight like it was yesterday against Luton we nick the first goal we win the game and um, I do think one thing's going back to the streetwise and now we may be missing Jagielka more than we thought yeah absolutely well as I said we did put it out to you guys on Twitter will we stay it up or not for uh, for the latest excuse to use our world class jingle of your shout <laughs> Your shout! Ah. <laughs> oh, absolutely, it does me every time that jingle. Um, so the we'll delight on your face <laughs> watching it—it's just great. I'll have to tweet a picture after this of the uh, the fancy new little producer deck that Kutch has got for this podcast. He's having—it's like a dog with two dicks over there. It's like <laughs> Christmas Day. Um, but uh, yeah, as I said, seventy-five percent saying no. Nathan Jordan said uh, we needed to win the home games against the likes of Birmingham and Millwall to stand the chance. Um, Dan Letchford regular listener said my heart says yes of course but my logical brain says we will really struggle without depth to our squad Um, Lee Butler said they've done miracles and I'm proud of the fight this season the problem was we lost a key piece in Jagielka who was vocal and kept the line losing nine on a threadbare squad was always going to catch up with us nine points that is we will win a few but not the seven or eight needed Uh, Andy Chan said uh, we've been certainly losing steam in recent weeks Uh, a Reading loss this weekend has kept our hopes alive it's tougher now that Barnsley have suddenly started winning Um, so then a few more of those to come later Um, but yeah a couple more games that we've 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 had since we last spoke to you all let's 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 make it a bit more cheerier Louis Sibley against Peterborough that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> was it was it a better last minute moment than the Beelik v Birmingham? I'll come to you, Kutch, first with this because you were at both games. Yeah, um, really tough one. I mean, I was with you boys for the Birmingham one and it came back from 2-0 down, even if it was a, just a point rather than the three points and it wasn't so much against a relegation rival like it was against Peterborough. I think the Peterborough one was more relief. It was still ecstasy of the goal and I was, I was with my girlfriend at Pride Park for the first time which was great and I said we went in the, in the southwest upper which was, which was another great new experience I've never been up there before um, and the atmosphere was really really rocky and it was emotional I think the Birmingham one obviously just celebrating a, a last minute equaliser with you boys in the away end in the, uh, in the south stand sorry um, was 
was pretty special and, and the nature of the goal was pretty special so it's really I was thinking about it on the drive home I was trying to compare them and I think maybe the seat my like my personal limbs were maybe more extreme in the Birmingham game so I think the Peterborough one was just maybe more relief that we, I was like we had to win that game did you shout Sibley Thunderbastard <laughs> as it went in because if you didn't then the Beelik one's better because all you did was Beelik bicycle for about five minutes it's difficult for me Jimmy because uh, yeah we were at the Birmingham game but uh, yeah there was the relief of that compared to just shouting at my laptop in my spare room for the uh, for the Peterborough <laughs> game which is what I did for that one um What's your take on it as a, as a as a long time champion of sitting in the southwest upper? Oh Pride yeah, Park? I know. I'm I'm annoyed. Coach is telling people about it. It's, <laughs> it's Pride Park's best kept secret. That place. It's wonderful. For for me, it was it was the Beelik, right? Because there was just so much kind of wrapped in with that day and and the march and everything. Um, for me, that just just made it a little bit better. And it seemed so unlikely as well with, with kind of five minutes to go so that was that was my preference again partly because the you know it's better to be there than shouting at your laptop <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah well that both were fantastic we can't deny but he talks about the march and, and the emotion of the birmingham game a little bit there uh jim and um people who recognize your voice will of course recognize you from the great work you've done on on the twitter spaces in uh recent weeks it's fair to say that regardless of of what happens and where the season takes us there has been i feel a greater sense of of unity between fans and players and fans with each other really we all know there are that there are different supporter groups uh, that have appeared this season and there are perhaps issues around that that we're not going to even get close to getting into but i think particularly for the stuff you've done through the spaces were you were you surprised i guess a little bit by by <laughs> particularly how many people tuned into the first one because it was like hit four figures at one point didn't it yeah well, i was a bit surprised um about how many people kind of came to that and i think it just shows the energy around what people want to do and it's you know we've heard it a lot before but it's more than a club uniting it's it's a city and i think there's there's a heck of a lot of positivity to be kind of taken out of of what is happening at the moment and it is undoubtedly one of the darkest hours but i believe the the kind of innovation and creativity that's kind of been unleashed um from kind of all corners of derby has been pretty amazing actually and i think there is a you know I also think if I was a potential bidder looking at the club, you know, you it's got to have increased the price and the value of it, what, what's been happening. And it's just been a willingness to kind of go and, you know, it's all about resource allocation, right? Like, what do we try and do? Everyone wants to do something, and that's kind of what we've been trying to do with those Twitter town halls is, okay, let's pick a hashtag, let's pick a thing to go after this week, whether it be the crowdfunding or whether it be tweeting at the EFL, whatever it is. And I think it's made a difference, right? And it's also given people a, a purpose because it's felt yeah. a very helpless kind of time and period for people. And you're receiving so much on social media, but actually these town halls have allowed people to kind of get up on stage and come up with ideas and build things and yeah I remember when Shippo came on and was talking about the march as an initial idea and I, I was a bit skeptical of like how many people we, we'd get for that and so on and just the amazing nature of the way the momentum built for that march partly through the town halls you know more people coming on um, and he was coming on and updating us with you know how plans were going with the police and then on that day to kind of be on that freeway and sort of look back towards the city center and then look you know kind of 
west towards Pride Park was pretty incredible just to see a sea of, mm. of Derby fans. I, I never thought it'd be anywhere near uh, like that and shows that that in-person stuff really matters as well. And, you know, I think we've said before that we should look at making that an annual thing um, because the fans have made a huge part in this story of kind of of saving the club. And I am, I mean, we, we're here and we're talking about whether we are going to be staying up or not. And that's the focus of the conversation, which is great because if we'd met a month ago at the end of January, we'd have been talking about whether we're going to survive as a club. And that now seems a lot more realistic, fortunately. I uh, I must admit, uh, it's it's been fantastic. I, I must admit, I miss the space and I just feel I want to get your take on this when a Middlesbrough fan disguised himself as a Derby fan um, and then <laughs> somehow snuck because the first one you, um, you you had a couple of forests um, like dickheads didn't you and they, they sort of spouted some, some nonsense and he kicked them off but then like a Middlesbrough fan wanted to get on so badly that he like pretended to be a Derby fan and even yeah. changed his avatar and everything Jeez, like. yeah because you're sitting there because it's quite hard to do these things right like I mean you guys know from doing podcasts like it's not as simple as it, it looks um, and so you're sitting there and you know I'm doing it with Ryan Bourne but trying to produce and host and do it all at the same time so yeah the first couple were a bit hit and miss but yeah it was like it was a friday night one that we did ahead of the forest game and yeah this so i became better and better at kind of being able to see from people's profiles what they were likely to be like and so on and i also asked people to send twitter dms ahead of time to try and plan what what we were going to say and, and produce it a little bit more but yeah the the one guy that changed everything to save derby county and all this on a friday night at nine o'clock to come on and tell us how sad we all were was a certain iron, <laughs> irony in it and of course we can just kick him off after three seconds so look i hope he enjoyed himself but yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's very proud of, uh, of his achievements. Uh, well, we'll talk a bit more about the, the bigger picture and uh, everything that comes with it, as well as a bit more on-field stuff. And we all know how tough it's been for all Derby fans just to cope with, with everything. So since our last podcast, we've, we've had some contact with a mental health well-being expert who's actually passed on a few tips that we're going to give on just how to, to ride it out, how to, um, how to, to stay sane, frankly in the current uh, Derby County crisis. So more on that in a second. But uh, don't forget that you can sign up for extra podcasts through Steve Bloom was watching this season by joining our Patreon service. It says <laughs> it's patreon.com slash Steve Bloom was watching for an extra podcast every month, extra content and sign up features as well. Just consider it tipping us a coffee a month or half a pint for uh, helping to keep the podcast going. So patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers washing. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomers washing. You talked about it a little bit in the first part, Kutch, there, but uh, one of the bright sparks of the past two games, despite them both being defeats, has been the emergence of uh, Owen Cashin. He's been absolutely fantastic, hasn't he? An academy kid who's come through. He's, he's paid his dues. We all know how hard it has been for him, as he probably would have played more games this season had it not been for the, the various regulations about how many first-team players were allowed. But it's fair to say that he's been he's been thrown in given his chance but I've absolutely loved watching him he's been uh, he's been he's made real progress and looked like one of the first names on the team sheet whatever division we're in next season 
yeah, he's been incredibly impressive. I think we all expected he'd be that kind of, um, and I don't mean this to discredit anyone at all, but you kind of, the the stereotype was he'll come in, he'll be like a Jake Buxton, he'll head it, he'll kick it, like a bit like Mark O'Brien when he came in originally all those years ago, and he'll do the simple things right. And then we saw it, the debut against Peterborough. He had a head of a passing range. That left foot, really good short, intelligent passing, passes through the lines, cross-field balls. He was finding the, his op, yeah, the, one of the full-backs and the wingers on the opposite flank. And uh, he just looked like he was completely at home. And maybe, yeah, if we had been allowed to play him earlier in the season because of the player registration rules, maybe he would have had a similar impact. But it also goes to show that sometimes players do benefit from just having that kind of slower introduction, like train with the first team for six months or so first and then get put into the team, which is how it's really meant to be. Like Rooney's had to throw certain players in where, and they might have made an instant impression like Fessia Vassele or, or Luke Plange. But sometimes players will benefit from just coming in, coming out or, or training longer and then going in. And, and it looks like Cashin's been introduced at exactly the right time, whether that's by... Um, by design or, or by default. So I think he's been brilliant. I didn't get to see much of the Millwall game, but from the Peterborough game I was at and then from the Luton game I was at, I didn't really put a step wrong. And he just, just looks very comfortable and composed and he's he's vocal. You can see, I think he's captained the academy teams before. Like you can see, see he's, he's kind of ordering people around. He's calling at people, he's talking. And yeah, I think he's another great find from the academy and great development. I just love the way he plays like Jimmy. He looks... He looks so hard, doesn't he? For even like a twenty-year-old, he looks like he heads away breeze blocks in training. Like he looks absolutely an absolute rock. Have you been a bit surprised by just how quickly he's emerged onto the scene and how well he's settled in? Totally, um, and you know it's kind of amazing to watch. And and what I you know I mean it it shows how early on in his career he's got kind of fifteen hundred Twitter followers at the moment. I was <laughs> looking at it the the other day. I'm sure he'll surpass us uh, soon. But Do, um, doesn't always come back to Twitter, Jimmy. He doesn't <laughs> always come back to Twitter. <laughs> but what I was going to say about it particularly is that the the pin tweet he has is this sort of scrappy goal that he scored against uh, in one of the one of the academy um, games and it just says you know award the Puskas award now and I just thought it's just so nice to see the players with personality as well and I think that's been a big thing this season but he's done incredibly well the way he's kind of come into it and it reminds me a bit we were talking about good debuts earlier and so on it reminds me a bit of George Vaughan and like when he's got his chance he's just taken it with, with both hands and it seems pretty difficult to imagine him not in the starting 11 now after just two games yeah he stepped in at a time when we really needed somebody because uh, Buchanan stepped in obviously to centre back and for me he's Buchanan's a left back and he's much better getting forward uh, rather than the defensive side and he did a perfectly good job but having lost Jagielka in January and then having lost him and Cashin's come in at a point where we were in an absolute crisis and he's, he's come in and done a really good job uh, and I'm really pleased for him and I'm really pleased for, for the work that he's done um, and I hope he continues his development playing with players like Davis, Jagielka and Stearman they're experienced pros they've been around the block uh, and they know what they're doing and so they've really helped him uh, develop and um, I'm sure that as you say a slow introduction into the first team has, has benefited him I hope he continues to have a great great end to the season and what I will add as well is that I mean serious of all young players obviously Louis Sibley's kind of struggled since he's, he originally broke through like he will have difficult moments cashing and I'm sure we've all learned as fans over the last few years with our young players that you've got to be patient with them like Max Bird came in made an impact then kind of really struggled for a period of time and this season he's been an absolutely different player so I think we've got to expect with Cashin that he will have difficult moments he will there will be mistakes this season where it might cost us a goal it might cost us three points but I'm sure that with the support of the fans the support of Wayne Rooney who's managed all these young players so well playing next to Curtis Davis as you say Tom I'm sure that 
ultimately his arc will just be up and yeah he him and there's a few other players i'd say i put liam thompson in, in that bracket as well if you think about possibly possibly being in league one and some of the players we might have to lose people like liam thompson aaron cashin could be absolutely huge parts of derby county spine next season yeah a few more uh, contributions from your shout now you don't see a jingle coach don't worry i, I, I can see you i can see your trigger finger itching over there but um yeah a few more uh, tweets that we had on whether derby will stay up or not uh, sean woodward he said there is still a chance if we can start to pick up points away from home losing jags and shinny without being able to bring anyone in has really cost us running on empty right now but we all know in football stranger things have happened uh, Rob Jowett, he tweeted us to say the lack of depth is catching up with us, lack of creativity in the team. I can't see where the goals are coming from. Hope I'm wrong. I'll still be there next season, no matter where we end up. Paul Watson said we will fight to the end and I will remain hopeful. The logical part of my brain sees us in League One next season, though. Shirley Goodall said I'm not going to predict, but miracles do happen. Keep the faith. James Igo said something which uh, has been echoed by a lot of fans and us on the podcast. Probably not, but I've still never loved a group of players the way I love this one. And uh, just finally, uh, James Hudson said, uh, we've got to keep our heads up. Lots of football to be played left in the championship. You win a couple of games in clumps. A preferred bidder will give everyone a lift and we're still showing fight onwards to Cardiff. That's a key point I wanted to bring you all in on. How big could next week be? Could be, I know I've said this a lot, but it could be the week where... (laughs) That's to the point where I'm just laughing now. If we don't laugh, you'll cry. Could be the week where it happens, maybe, and that there were rumblings on, on Friday and, what, the 28th? What the day this podcast is 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 coming out on general release is is the deadline in air quotes right so if it does happen and we do get the preferred bidder and and big mike is uh, is is in the building do you think kutch even though it may not affect us on the field i guess we could have the ability to bring in any free transfers if there's anyone decent left anymore but could just that preferred bidder breakthrough give us the sort of lift that might help us on the field? It's so impossible to quantify, isn't it, what that impact could be? And I think it, that could go either way. It could almost be the players thinking, all right, and this isn't any, any way to discredit or, or kind of not believe in the players, but the players, you can understand if they all kind of took a big breath and went, oh, like it's over in the sense of the we know this club is going to survive. We know we're going to have contracts paid, whether we're at the club or not. Like, it could it could go the other way I, I think in general it, it should be a, a huge moment of celebration you'd like to think it'll mean a couple more really great celebratory days at Pride Park like we had particularly with the march at Birmingham and to a degree I thought the Peterborough game felt quite similar as well um, in, in that regard so I think it will give the club more impetus it will obviously allow us to do certain things even if it's not signed free agents just renewing some contracts to mean that we could get full market value for those players in the summer is, is a huge huge thing um, and then people like Tom Lawrence and I think Festi Abisele is out of contract uh, in the summer as well like those players will then have a chance to, to have a conversation with the club about their futures and if they can actually renew their contracts which, which could make a difference so I think look it, it'll be huge news whatever it means on the pitch in the short term it will be absolutely huge news for the club to have that security and to have someone willing to start backing the club again and start supporting the club and, and giving the players and the fans a fighting chance I guess you could argue Jimmy it could have the opposite effects could go the other way like we could have this preferred bidder the long-term safety of the club is secured and in a perverse sort of way that could psychologically lead to the players downing tools a bit I don't know like do you do you see it the off-field stuff 
that we hope will happen affecting things? I, I think we're probably possibly reading a bit too much into it. I think you listen to Rooney in the post-match interviews and so on, and he's got the players just so focused on the pitch stuff that I'm not sure it's kind of seeping through that much. To the fans, I think it will make an, an enormous difference. But to the players, I get the impression that they're so focused that actually it, it might not have a bigger impact as we as we think, and we could probably read too much into it either way. I think um, if you consider clubs who've had difficulties or challenges with leadership and uh, people on the board, and I'm going to use Mike Ashley in Newcastle as the example there. The point when Ashley sold or began, began the process of selling the club uh, to the Saudis, regardless of what you might think of that, it galvanised that fan base and the, the support that the fan base then had uh, had an impact on the players. And I think that could give the Derby fans a second push, which could potentially give the Derby players a second push. And whilst we can't go and spend £25 million on Chris Wood up front because uh, we're outside of the transfer window and we haven't got £25 million, if it gets done before, I think it's the last Thursday in March, the penultimate Thursday in March, I think we can sign some free agents if there are people available. And I'm sure Rooney has a list of people that he might like to bring in. And just those extra bodies might help just in terms of like they can play one or two games here or there and take the pressure off the likes of Knight, Ebesele, et cetera, who, are, who, who look like they are knackered and they have done a full season and we've still got 12 more games to go. So I think getting a preferred bit of an ounce as soon as possible is vital to the the end of the survival of the club but I think it's also vital to to any chances that we might have of staying up and I think that we've got to get this over the line but it's been imminent for about six months now well I know we're, uh, we're, get, we're probably getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because the, the preferred bidder hasn't been announced and the takeover hasn't been completed and we currently can't sign any free agents and it's still I think up in the air as to whether we will be able to sign free agents depending on the deal how happy the EFL are with the funding and, and the deal uh, in the short term every week though that we or every day that we miss out on that preferred bidder and the possibility of signing free agents we're missing out on free agents like Burton Albion have made some couple of interesting uh, free agent signings uh, I think Cameron Jerome was a free agent signing in, in January Andre Wisdom still hasn't got a club but he's been training with Birmingham City now I'm not saying that we would have signed any of those players or really want to sign any of those players but it demonstrates that players are getting snapped up and that that pool of options and available players is getting smaller and smaller and it might be like it, if it's going to come down to the last few games of the season then just one free agent signing might be the difference that might be the player that gets the goal on the last minute of the last day that keeps us up like so it's vitally important that the administrators have to go about it the right way they have to do it correctly they have to get the right, right deal for the club but the sooner it happens a lot better for us because it, it could be a difference between staying up or going down well hopefully the news coming out next week will will mean that we can all attempt to move on and make progress uh, but with a lot of derby fans still just submerged in this endless cycle of worry and real anguish and anxiety over our situation um we were contacted by uh, by matt reed a listener of the podcast who is actually a government well-being expert and Derby County fan and he passed on some really useful tips on uh, on surviving mental health wise with with and coping with Derby County's crisis so those tips were things like don't be ashamed of how you're feeling acknowledge that there are highs and lows of being a football fan but Derby County makes our lives richer and part of getting over how you're feeling is acknowledging it in the first place which also leads to the second point work out exactly why Derby's situation makes you feel blue and then say to yourself that it's no wonder 
that we feel disorientated. That's another tip. Like the club has changed immeasurably in the past year. And players like Luke Plange have gone from being unheard of to a promising youth team player to a first teamer to a Premier League player in, in six months. Like things are happening really fast and it can really mess with your head how fast the club is changing. Self-knowledge, he also flags as well. Like, you know, some of us are naturally extroverts. Some of us are naturally more introverted, some cautious, some impulsive, but trying to have a bit of uh, realization about your own behavior. You know, like, are you drinking more? Like, are you snapping at people? Have you lost your energy? Try and acknowledge that. Keep doing the things that you used to do. Like, if there are things that kept you kept your mind active before like exercise or seeing friends or seeing your family then try not to slip into a, a funk of falling out of those habits so try to do what you did before have conversations i know it's that, that there's still a stigma around it a lot of stuff has changed around mental health in, in recent years but look talk to your gp if you have to talk to your mates talk to your family talk to experts there's absolutely no shame in it and a couple more tips just finally just it sounds obvious but do something nice you know if there's a time when you are snapping at people if you feel ratty um just make an effort to to do something that benefits somebody else like message someone you maybe fell out with like go and pamper yourself go and a uh, generous gesture for a friend or family or, or a colleague like the act of making somebody else feel better will make you feel better as well. Try to get some sleep, Matt says. Easier said than done, I know, and I know that my sleep has been affected in, in recent weeks by what we're going through, but try and get into a better routine of, of having that digital detox at certain times of the day and, and shutting yourself off if you can. And finally, just, just take pride, which seems more important than ever for for fans of Derby County. Um, we don't really know how things are are going to end up but try to react with with humor and and dignity and and passion in in everything that we do and and remember that that phrase that we've really taken to our hearts in recent weeks which is that we will fight to the end jimmy some really sensible um sort of signposting there from from matt it was great that you got in touch with us but if nothing else this has really helped us um sort of deal with our emotions a bit better i guess hasn't it recently yeah exactly something that football fans always struggle to uh to keep in check i think at the, even at the best of times um and i think it's like the point there about just admitting that it's affected your mental health like it is a good kind of first step and completely natural as well. I think Ollie from Derby County Blogs sort of tweeted about that quite quite early on. And, and it, yes, of course, this matters to all of us a lot and it's a hard and stressful time with the pandemic all piled on as well. Um, yeah, it's completely completely normal to think like that and and just think of the the positives as well i come back to that sense of togetherness the fact that we're seeing all the young players i saw somebody running around the park the other day in tooting common who'd got a um, derby county coat on and i just stopped for a conversation with them it turned out to be the head of the derby county london branch and you just think that like doing that like six months ago would have been crazy and now that sort of sense of togetherness is is there and and trying to think about the positive things that are that are happening is really important i thought you're going to say you're going to try and sign him up for the uh for the academy or something or for the team next season when he saw at derby county but i i had a similar i was running down uh in in, in towards kingston on 
the river I do my running route and I got a tweet from someone I got back and had a tweet from someone saying do we just running on the on on the on the along the river towards Kingston because I saw some um, tracksuit bottoms around with them and I'm pretty sure it's you I was like yeah that was me and now like we we've been chatting and there's a found it suddenly found there's about four or five rams around the Kingston Surbiton Richmond area and we're going to see if we can arrange to go for a beer and I think yeah obviously sleep has been interrupted I've definitely tried to have like half a day off social media but working from home with my phone next to me all day it's it's too tempting just to keep kind of doom scrolling um but yeah you're not you're not alone you know for all derby fans out there we're, we're all going through it um I know tom finds it a bit easier being a teacher you, you do kind of have to put your phone away otherwise it gets confiscated by the head or something i imagine so it's just yeah do something nice i think that was the best bit of advice i heard go for a walk like i go to richmond park get out there do something a bit different uh just to take your mind off it and focus on the positives there is a corner that will hopefully be turned in hopefully a couple of days time where suddenly things will look a lot more rosy even if we were to lose uh, championship status i can just imagine the blur of the clutch dog running down the uh, <laughs> down down the thames fantastic stuff and um, i think just to echo what you've said there one of the most important things i've i've sort of thought of and and also had people do to me is just like someone asks how are you and like, yeah i'm fine and they go you're not quite fine are you I'm like oh at the moment Derby are like and just that question and asking that twice and I think asking twice just allows people to open up and we always say that we're fine yeah things are good and often they are there's lots of good things in there but there's always that underlying thing and it could be football it could be something else but I think if you see someone who's maybe just slightly changed or slightly down ask that second time and don't be afraid to ask that second time as well just seems yeah I know what you mean about that because our situation seems so complicated and, and boring to other people that it seems the easier option is to just not mention it and so and just yeah yeah don't worry about it but look people will people will listen and i've had i've had quite a few friends reach out and and sort of sympathize and yeah there are people out there there is help uh, but we all have to stick together but uh, we're gonna leave it there for now on that uh, more positive note um jimmy what a debut george thorne-esque <laughs> pulling the strings over there in the corner thanks for joining us yeah, it's been a pleasure guys tom thank you very much for your time uh, all the best and kutch we'll see you in a couple of weeks See you soon. Take care.